Revelation chapter 1. I was trying to decide how much time I wanted to spend in Revelation 1. Um, I mean, honestly, with any book of the Bible, you can take as much time as you want in there. But I'm going to go ahead and try to get through the rest of chapter 1 today. And then next week, get into the uh, letters to the churches and start with uh, uh, Ephesus and uh, study through those over the next several weeks. Um, but there are going to be sections of Revelation where we'll do this. We'll go a little quicker through something. It uh, doesn't mean it's not important. doesn't mean that we can't learn more from it than what we talk about or anything like that. But um, we'll, just, we'll just kind of play it by ear as we go through and, and look at it. But we're going to look at uh, verse 4 through the end of the chapter is what we're going to try to get through this evening and uh, um, hopefully learn some things and be reminded of some things with it as well. It's interesting, though. Let's look in verse number 4. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him. Uh, which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray and then we'll jump in. Lord, thank you for letting us be here tonight. Uh, thank you for all those that were able to come out. Uh, Lord, we're, we're, we're so so exciting to see just over the years um, how you've taken us from just our family to uh, multiple families and where we are today. And Lord, we're so grateful for what you're doing. Tonight, I pray that our time is profitable. I pray that uh, we would learn and draw from your word. We would understand you better and uh, be able to draw closer to you because of it. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you give wisdom and guidance as we study through this, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's interesting as when you think of Revelation, you typically think of dark and gloomy and war and violence and all these kinds of things. Yet, Revelation starts with this grace be unto you and peace. Uh, that's a little bit more pleasant than what we think about with Revelation sometimes. Uh, and, uh, and it's nice to have grace uh, is the idea of receiving something that you didn't you didn't earn, something that you didn't deserve, and uh, and it has the idea of uh, even though judgment is ultimately coming, as what we're reading about throughout Revelation, uh, the judgment and the victory and all the stuff that goes with it, uh, but you can receive grace uh, and peace as well, in spite of the war ahead, peace is available. So Revelation proves that Christians. Will have peace. We're going to see this throughout the book. That revelations, uh, that Christians, excuse me, will have peace because of grace. And we see it all at the end, at the end of the book, tied up in a nice bow for us. But the start of the book lets people know what's available. Um, that soon will not be available any longer. And uh, now, of course, in this this instance, uh, the proclamation, the, the the verse here is in context given and, and geared at Christians. Uh, for sure, and but that is who has grace and peace is the Christians. Um, it's available, but until you receive it, uh, you don't have it. And so, grace and peace is there, and it's and it's available for what's about to come. Uh, there's going to be a lot of of things that are going to be scary, that are going to be hard, uh, that are going to be uh, unpleasant uh, to the eyes and to the ears. But God says grace and peace are available. And so we receive the grace and then we receive the peace of God. And that allows us then as we go through the book of Revelation to not be scared. 
Um, if, you're, if you're not saved, then Revelation is a terrifying book. Um, if you're not, honestly, if you're not obedient to God, Revelation is a terrifying book. Um, if, you, if you're in uh, the perfect love of Christ and you are uh, uh, living a life that God is pleased by, uh, to me, there's nothing in Revelation that's scary. Uh, but when you realize how much God is going to punish sin, and I understand there's a difference, and I don't mean to confuse it, a difference between how God judges the Christians versus how God judges everyone else, but uh, it's still scary. <laughs> and, and it's one of those things where I kind of think about when I'm obedient to my dad, and dad comes in and, and something, something went wrong, and, but it wasn't me, <laughs> right? It was my sister. It wasn't me. And I could just sit there and go, oh, thank goodness it wasn't me. Uh, or a teacher that would come in in the classroom and it wasn't me this time. Uh, man, it's a wonderful feeling, that peace that comes over. Okay, phew, at least I'm not getting in trouble. Um, I don't know. To me, that's kind of the, it's, it's a watered down of what Revelation is. But it's that same idea. The peace that you get by knowing, hey, it's not me. It's not me. Um, we'll look at different things throughout Revelation that will point to uh, uh, where, where I and as the church lands on, on uh, pre-tribulation and the idea that Christ comes before the tribulation to call up the Christians and, and the rapture happens and occurs and then after the rapture comes a seven-year period that is uh, the first half of it looks pleasant. The second half of it is just absolutely terrifying. And, uh, and there's peace. I have peace knowing that I'm not going to experience that. Um, and, uh, and then everything else that happens with God's judgment, of course, as well. What's the source of the blessing? It tells us here in first, verse number 4 and 5 um, that we've got to understand that there's this, this blessing of grace and peace. Well, it comes from someone. And as, as do different parts of Scripture, we see here the Godhead represented. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all represented here. Uh, in this introduction to Revelations, uh, verse number four, uh, let's see here, uh, which is, which was, and which is to come is referring to God the Father. It is the, uh, the uh, Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. It is all, all present, all everywhere, all knowing, all these kinds of things. And yes, I know all three parts of the Godhead would be that as well, but it, it appears and it seems to be rep representative representation of God the Father. God the Holy Spirit is next where it says, and from the seven spirits uh, which are before his throne. Now, Revelation has some confusing parts to it. Uh, in verse 4, it talks about the seven churches. At the end of verse 4, it talks about the seven spirits. We're going to see seven brought up throughout Revelation. Uh, but everything points to the seven spirits which are in front of his, before his throne. You see the word spirits is capitalized. At least it is in my Bible. I assume it is in yours. Um, it's referring to the Holy Spirit. Uh, and the seven is a, is, a, is a representation of the perfection, the completeness of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and here the Holy Spirit uh, represented here as well before his throne. Then verse number five and, and into verse number six talks about Jesus Christ, God the, God the Son, uh, who was the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of kings of the earth. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our uh, sins in his own blood, hath he made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So you see the Godhead represented in this introduction that, that follows the grace and peace. How can we get grace and peace? Only through God. And so we see here 
God represented as the source of all blessings, the source of grace, and the source of peace. The rest of chapter 1 kind of gives us somewhat of a short version of the rest of the book. It doesn't entail everything, doesn't cover everything, but it gives kind of a little breakdown and really focuses on Christ, God the Son, uh, through this as well. Um, verse number 7 and verse number 8, we see the triumph of Jesus. It says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of earth uh, shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, uh, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Uh, we see this e eternality of God here. Uh, again, bringing up that same phrase, which uh, which was, which is, and, and uh, excuse me, which is, and which was, and which is to come, the past, the present, and the future, and we see the eternality of God, the beginning and the end, Alpha and Omega, uh, the the always has been and the always will be. Uh, I, I've said this before. One of the things that my brain has the hardest time getting a hold of is no beginning. I can get no ending. I, I can understand that. I mean, I've sat in those sermons. No ending. Uh, all right, just keeps on going. Um, I've, I've seen those movies. I've, 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 I've been in that, that trip. I've, I've, I understand no ending. I get that. No beginning is where my mind, if you're like me, and, and hopefully you're not, but if you're like me, you start to think about these things. You're like, okay, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's the beginning of, of the world, of creation. Okay, but before that, God still existed. Okay, well, when did God come into existence? Well, he always has been. All right. <laughs> and my brain's going, okay, all right, yes, all right, no beginning, got it. Okay, but how? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to know. I'm not going to lie to you. It ain't going to click with me. Now, by faith, I believe it and because the Bible says it. And, and if I get to heaven, I might ask God, hey, God, can you give me the concept, the understanding of no beginning? I don't get it. Um, I, again, I probably won't think about that when I get to heaven, but it's on my mind, no doubt about it. But God is. He's eternal. Not just eternal. He will be eternal, but he is eternal. He always has been, and he always will be. And that's the God that's carrying us through, and he's triumphant in that sense. Then we see the characteristics a little bit of, of the day that we currently live in, um, which most people refer to as the church age, uh, leading into these end times as well. Uh, verse number 9, we see it's a time to witness. He says, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, again, John is being uh, told and being shown uh, what to write, how to write it, all those sorts of things. And he's a witness for us to the things that are to come. And he's pinning it down for us, but God is the one giving it to him. In the sense that John is the witness that gives to us the book of Revelation, we are the witness that is supposed to give everyone else in this world the gospel. That's our job. The time that we live in now is the last time for the gospel to be presented. When, that, when, when, when Christ comes with the rapture, all the Christians leave. We'll talk about the tribulation period when we get there uh, and the witness that's going on in that point, but it's not very much. We're running out of time. And it's, to me, that's sobering. We're running out of time 
to get the gospel to the people around us. I mean, we can talk about the world all we want to, and we can talk about the need for the world to get the gospel and all that kind of stuff, but for just a moment, put that aside and, and think about family and think about neighbors and think about friends and people that you love. We're running out of time. We, we don't have time. I mean, we, we don't know how much time we have. We don't know when Christ is going to return. Katie texted me today, said Christ is coming tomorrow. Um, she went to say Chris, but it, it, she said Christ. And I'm going, oh, my goodness. I told her, I said, well, that's going to change things tonight. Um, <laughs> we, don't know, we don't know when Christ is coming back. But we're told the time is at hand. We're told we don't have much time. And we've got to get the gospel. And it's important that we fulfill the Great Commission and that we seek to fulfill the Great Commission but let's not forget that the Great Commission is not just way out there. It's right next to us. Our co-workers, our family members, our loved ones, uh, friends. Uh, now is the time. It should be a time of witness. It's a time of worship. Um, we see a lot of things here about uh, um, Christ in these next several verses. Verse 10 says, uh, uh, John still, uh, coming from John's account, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day and heard behind me a great voice of a trumpet. Now listen, I'm not going to get into the Lord's Day today. I probably need to at some point in this study of the book. Uh, we see the, the term the Lord's Day used multiple times in Scripture in different books, and, and it can mean different things at different times. Uh, some people think, you know, because preachers nowadays, this is the Lord's Day, um, think it means Sunday or, or the Sabbath or whatever. Um, it doesn't. Uh, a lot of revelation talking about the Lord's Day means the day that the Lord returns, uh, but not always as well. I, I do want to get into that, but not tonight. I don't mean to confuse you or get a bunch of questions in your head right now, but anyways, we'll come back to that at some point here in the book. Uh, but here he's, he's talking about the worship that John had and what he was seeing. He was in the spirit. Uh, verse number, well, in verse 10, he says that I heard behind me a great voice. In verse number 12, uh, he says, I turned to see the voice that spake with me. Uh, and behold, uh, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. We're going to come back to this, but skip down to verse number 17. Uh, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. This is a, uh, uh, I think, as close to a heavenly worship as we see in Scripture outside of heaven. Um, the idea of falling, it would be similar maybe to um, Paul or Saul uh, when when the, the bright light came and Saul fell um, and became blind and all that kind of stuff. It would be similar to that, that kind of idea here. But we just see this um, awe-stricken moment of fear, sure, uh, but as well just this awe of who God is and being in the presence of God seeing everything that he was seeing and falling at the feet of Christ. It says as he was dead, um, but this, this, this falling at the feet here in, in worship. And then when we talk about, we talked about a lot in Psalms about why we should praise, and Psalms gives us consistently reasons to praise God. Well, why should we worship? And we're going to see some things about the characteristics of Christ uh, in this chapter that are going to carry through the book of Revelation that we don't see a whole lot of in the other books of the Bible. Not to say they're not there, but the focus, remember when Christ comes to earth uh, and was born and, and, and grew up and, and ministered and all that kind of stuff, Christ came for a purpose, right? His purpose was to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why he came. He didn't come to judge. He didn't come with the sword. He came to seek and save that which was lost. In Revelation, it's a completely different purpose for, for, for being around. Um, and so we see some characteristics about God. Uh, 
Number one, in verse number 13, we see he is unknowable. Let me explain that, but he is unknowable. Uh, verse 13, And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and gird about the paps with golden girdle. Uh, we see this, uh, verse 14 goes on, sorry. His head and his hairs are white like wool and white as snow, and his eyes uh, were a flame of fire. We see this um, unrecognizable to John, unrecognizable Christ. He's not what John saw before. Same person, but not what John saw before. He looks different. Um, so when I say unknowable, maybe unrecognizable is a better word. Uh, when you think about God, we should strive to know God. We should, and I've always said the more we know God, the more we are likely to obey him. The more we understand about God, the more likely we are to do what God asks us to do. Because the more we find out about God, the more we realize how worthy he is of our obedience. But here we see that we really don't know everything about Christ. We're going to learn things in Revelation, and there's other things in Scripture that can be taught. At the end of the day, we, we, don't, we know so little about this all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise, all-everywhere, all-present. There's a lot to learn about who this Christ is. And when John sees him, he's not, he doesn't look the same. He's not recognizable as what John knew him as. Verse number 13, we see as well, he is, uh, um, he's unemotional. <laughs> he says there that he's, uh, um, uh, let's see here, clothed with a garment down to his foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. The hairs we looked at already, we'll kind of come back to that in just a second. Um, but the idea of this being girt, this being um, almost emotionless, the restraint currently, um, it wasn't that long ago in John's memory that Christ was weeping in the garden. He's not weeping right now. He's restrained. He is stern. Because the purpose is different. Verse number 14 where we see the, uh, the hairs on his head uh, were white like wool um, and white like snow. Isaiah 1.18 says, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Uh, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Uh, and so we see the tying in together of Scripture here. Uh, but he's proven. Uh, when you think of, um, you think of white in the Bible, typically you're thinking pure, which is right. That's, that's true. Uh, when you think of white uh, hair, especially um, before all these uh, current generation of kids are raising up, um, but I'm just kidding a little bit, but uh, uh, the idea of, of older, of white, has the idea of established, of learned, of wise, of, uh, of proven. They've been through it. Christ had already done what he did on the earth. That part was done. It's on to the next thing. Um, we see fire here. It says in verse number uh, 14, as well as his eyes were as a flame of fire. Uh, the idea of proving things, right? God talks about we're going to take the uh, hay and the stubble. We're going to take the precious stones. We're going to toss them into the fire, and we're going to prove it. And what comes out is going to last, and everything else just burns into nothingness. Um, so we see fire, and we'll see that throughout the book as well. Uh, verse number 15, we see he's unmovable, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they were burned in a furnace, and his voice is sound of many waters. 
Um, the feet as brass here, just unmovable, solid, heavy, uh, not, not, not easily moved. In this case, not movable at all. Uh, as well, we see he's no longer silent. Remember when he was being beaten before the cross? He was, he was as a, a lamb led before the slaughter. He was, he was silent, didn't say anything. They were asking questions. They were spitting in his face. They were beating him. Uh, he said very, very little throughout that process. Uh, he's no longer going to be silent. He says there at the end of verse 15, his voice is the sound of many waters. Um, it makes me think of, uh, I think it was, I, I know I'm not supposed to talk about movies, Homeward Bound. And if I remember right, it's Homeward Bound. And they're, they're, uh, the, the animals are sitting there and they're, they're talking, of course. And, uh, but they're on the, the river, and maybe I'm thinking of the wrong movie. It doesn't matter. They're on the river, everything's going fine, and all of a sudden they hear something, and they're like, what is that? It's a waterfall, and then it's where all the water collapses and crushing, and there's large sounds and everything like that. And, uh, and that's what I think of here, this, the many waters, the idea of waters coming together, crashing together, and all the sound that would ca- has, have as a result of that. His voice was no longer silent. As a matter of fact, it was very loud. Uh, we see that he's unparalleled. Uh, in verse number 16 in power he says and he had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength so we see that hand holding the right the right uh, his right hand holding the stars the power that is there it's unparalleled power uh, we see in, as well this idea if he's unbeatable um, out of his mouth went the sharp two-edged sword and then we also see here again that idea of uh unapproachable in the sense like Saul with the with the light that he saw it says that the the countenance was as the sunshine in his strength um, it's something you can't stand in front of it's something you can't take uh, and so you can't uh, and again when I say unapproachable I don't I don't ever into I don't want to ever make it sound like God is unapproachable in this situation and and what John was seeing and the Christ in whom he looked at and was given the ability to see in this case, he was not approachable. His power, his strength, his, um, his aura, so to say, uh, that light that shines, it, was, it got to the point where it would take you to your knees. You weren't going to run up to it. It just wasn't going to happen. And so we see here in this, this first chapter, this description of what is to come. Uh, verse 18, the Bible says, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. You see the control that God has. And the power, the understanding, all of it is here. He reminds, I'm the same one that lived, and, but I, I live now, but I'm the same one who was dead. That's me, that's Christ. And he explains that he has this power now. It's the same power that we talk about when we go to the Great Commission. It says, all power is given unto me, God. All right, that's the same power that he has now. He's got the keys to hell and the keys to death. And some of what is written, it's going to involve um, some waiting on God to understand. You're going to need God to reveal it. I'm not going to be able to reveal it to you. Um, you're going to need God to be able to reveal it. Now, other things are clearly laid out for us. But we're gonna, as we get into this book, if you've ever read the Revelation, you already know what I'm talking about. But, but there are things that is going to cause you, it's not going to be read, boom, got it. It's going to take some patience with God. 
It's going to take some prayer. And it's going to take, we should pray anyways when we're reading the Bible and asking God to teach us. But it's going to take prayer, and it's going to take God to reveal it to us. Uh, look in verse number 19. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden, uh, seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Okay, so there's... The, what we like to see. <laughs> God saying, I told you about this, here's what it means. I told you about this, here's what it means. But there are other mysteries that aren't quite as black and white for us. Not to say that God doesn't allow us to understand, but they're just not as, as clearly laid out for us. So when we go through Revelation, when you go through the Bible, when we go through Revelation, understand that some of it is going to take in uh, waiting, patience, prayer, uh, it's going to take communication with God. It's going to take a, a uh, uh, God to explain and to teach and, and, and to show you exactly what it means. Some of it, I believe, some of it we won't fully grasp till we're in heaven. Um, and I think that, uh, I, I mean, I know there's smarter people in the world than me, uh, but I do think there are some things, not very many, but some things in Scripture that are going to be a God turning the light on for us once we get there and teaching us and showing us from there. But we're going to see a lot of things through Revelation. Next week, we're going to start into the churches uh, and the letters to the churches here. There's so many great things um, in, in these uh, these seven churches that we can understand and learn from and uh, and get. But again, remember, it's, it's not about that. It's not about the churches. We learn from it. It's about God. It's about what God is going to do. And it's about it's the one thing in Scripture that we read about that is not done yet. That we look forward to, that we uh, that we can read about now and know it's coming, and I to me that's pretty neat because <laughs> the the rest of the book is uh, somewhat of a history book. I don't mean to diminish the Bible, somewhat of a history book where it's telling you about things that happened. This is telling us about what is to come, and uh, and hopefully, uh, anytime we read Revelation, hopefully it should be a wake up call, uh, an urgency call, an alert. Hey, let's, let's get moving. Um, because time is running out, and if we love people, we don't want them to have to experience the things that we read about in Revelation. We want them to experience the grace and peace that we read about in Revelation. We don't want them to experience the death and judgment that we read about in Revelation. Lord, help us to love you. Uh, Help us to learn more about you. Help us to understand your word. Uh, Lord, help us to have the urgency of the gospel to share with people that we love and with people that we don't know. Uh, Lord, help us to be uh, faithful and bold uh, to present it. Uh, And Lord, may we understand you, what you have been, but Lord, what you are and what you will be uh, in the coming days as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, back to the prayer list. Uh, Give you a chance to add anything else.